Welcome to Professors at Work, a weekly program from the American University of Beirut, where we talk to professors about their research, why they chose their topics, what they're discovering, and why it matters to the rest of the world. I'm your host, Rami Khouri, from the Media Studies Program, and we're delighted to have as our guest this week, Professor Hadi Jafar, Associate Professor of Irrigation, Engineering, and Water Management at the Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences. Professor Jafar, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. We uh, asked you to be on the program because the work that you've been doing traditionally is remote sensing for water and irrigation and agriculture, but I gather you've been adapting it now to urban issues, especially after the uh, recent port uh, explosion in Beirut. So tell us about your basic work, how you started in the field of uh, remote sensing and those issues, and then we'll talk about how you're applying it uh, in, the, in the urban context. Sure. As you know, we do research, or at least I like to do research, that is based on two major foundations. The first one is that it has to uh, create a new knowledge and the second one that it has to have direct impact on humanity. So actually the answer to your question starts a long time ago when I used to work in, in the US on Indian reservations. So we used to look at aerial photographs from the 1910s and 1920s and try to delineate irrigation fields to know if the Indians or if the Native Americans have an aboriginal water right for their water. And then this has to go through consent orders to courts, and it gives them you know, the right to use this water, and then the Americans or the, will sue the Native Americans or the opposite way, and then they go to court. So, and we used to go on Indian reservations and uh, you know, with the GPS mapping the wells, mapping the water uses, putting it on a map, bringing it into a geographic information system. So this is where I started to, to work on remote sensing and GIS. Now, when I came back to Lebanon, it, it coincided with the beginning of the Syrian conflict. So I was looking at, at a satellite image one day, and I saw a huge dry area where it should be a vast agricultural lands. So then I had the idea of what if we apply remote sensing in this area to see what the impact of the Syrian conflict is on agriculture. This is uh, in Syria, the area, in Syria, or in Lebanon? In Syria. in Syria. It was on the Lebanese border, very close to the Lebanese border in the Qusayr area. If I remember, it was in May 2013, right when the, uh, you know, it was the biggest battle there. And then we extended this work uh, to the whole country of Syria, where we started looking at ISIS-controlled areas and uh, seeing how, how agriculture was affected there. Uh, we thought first, oh, it's going to be a famine there, uh, people are going to abandon their lands, but to the contrary, uh, using satellite imagery, and the contrary to most of the reports that we were getting from here and there, we proved that ISIS was using agriculture to fund their operations because they were taxing the wheat farmers and they tax the irrigated wheat differently than the rain-fed wheat. So this was one of the applications of remote sensing in, in conflict zones or conflict-affected zones. Of course, remote sensing is, when, when you look at things from far away, like for your eye, for example, is a remote sensing instrument. Um, and it gives you uh, really a very good idea of what's happening on the ground, especially in areas where you cannot go 
due to security issues or other issues. Uh, can I just interrupt? When you talk about this kind of work, uh, the examples you've given, you're essentially using satellite photos or photos taken from balloons or from airplanes? What, how high up is, how remote is the remote it's, sensing? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. It's, it's satellite photos, okay? So it's, uh, it's satellite imagery uh, up from uh, 700 kilometers. But it's high resolution. Some of it is, is medium resolution, which is the free stuff. But the commercial stuff is very high resolution. You have to pay for it. Sometimes you have clouds, and then you have to use radar imagery, which penetrates clouds. And this is what I used for, for detecting uh, the damage because of the Beirut explosion right after the explosion happened. We'll come back to that later. So remote sensing has, has really a lot of applications. And I also uh, recently applied it to uh, detecting water use in the Middle East. Uh, recently, I've launched an app. It's called AXAT. And it's a mobile app where any farmer can use it. He can just pinpoint his field, and it will give him the amount of water that he needs to irrigate. So it's now being downloaded in countries from Morocco to uh, to Netherlands to Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates. Um, it's been launched like a month ago. So the farmer uh, pinpoints his field, and the app uses remote sensing um, exactly. uh, images to tell him you need this much water for this exactly. kind of plant that you're planting. Exactly. Or? So it it uses uh, remote sensed images, and also it uses weather data. That is also based on some kind of remote sensing because you have to get the data globally, and this is a huge issue. Uh, there are a lot of uh, satellite imagery products available, actually too many for people to analyze. And we need a lot of uh, human skills in this area just to get going and uh, to do the work. Applications also range from agricultural productivity, evaluation. For example, you can tell uh, how much uh, a potato yield on a farm would be from satellite image. So uh, we're also doing this kind of research, and we're also validating it in the field. Um, so for example, we used uh, the app that I just talked about to, uh, to irrigate a potato crop at Eric this year. And Eric is the uh, AUB farm in the Bekaa. It's the Agriculture Research and Education Center uh, for the Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences in the Bekaa region. And uh, we irrigated one hectare of potatoes uh, using just the app, and we get like 60 tons per hectare yield, which is an excellent yield. So the benefit of this app is it saves water and improves yield and makes everybody more money, and food is available at a reasonable price for everybody. Yep, and it also saves energy, because you, when you save water, you're saving pumping, and you save pumping, you're saving energy. It also improves the use of fertilizers in the field, because you get less leaching and less pollution to the groundwater. So um, this is one of the applications. Of course, remote sensing has other applications in, uh, in other fields. Um, recently, I've also been looking at detecting uh, the fires uh, using remote sensing. You know, there has been a lot of fires in, in Iraq uh, on wheat fields, and uh, ISIS is also accused of causing that fire. So we're using satellite imagery to, to map those fires and differentiate between the man-made fires or the, uh, I mean, the accidental fires or the fires that are caused by terrorism. Um, so you have to use a lot of satellite imagery data, different types, different uh, uh, temporal resolution that is different intervals in time. And um, there are a lot of tools that, allows you, uh, that allow you to do that. Uh, so, just one more question about the agricultural stuff before we get into the uh, Beirut explosion. Uh, when you 
produce uh, something like this app, which has real practical applications, um, you then have to promote it. Um, either you do it through your own AUB means, or a commercial company gets a license, or the government, or somebody has to then take this out and tell the world about it. How do you deal with that dimension of this? We started promoting it first on, on Google's website. Um, because uh, it's it's on Google Play Store. Uh, for for these kind of projects, they have some uh, ad opportunities. I've also circulated it among all the agricultural ministries in in the MENA region, and also sent it to all uh, or to many non-governmental organizations such as the FAO, um, the United Nations, um, other organizations, uh, universities. And we've recently received a lot of feedback, a good feedback for collaboration, for uh, questions about the app. But of course, as you mentioned, uh, we need to keep promoting this. It's, it's a time-continuing process, and we need support from a uh, from lot of organizations in taking this app, distributing it to the farmers, uh, advocating for it. But presumably that stage of the work, uh, the dissemination, the public application, mm -hmm. is not really part of the university's normal work, that you once you develop this technology and you prove it, then somebody else takes it over, no? Um, takes it over in what sense, you mean? In the sense of promoting it, distributing it, marketing it. Uh, is it free, by the way? It is free. Yeah. It is free. So uh, farmers really are very reluctant to pay for technologies, especially mm -hmm. new technologies. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I had to make it free at least for the time being, for this three years of the project. It also helps farmers adopt the app without any uh, risk on them. Okay. Um, uh, promotion, yes, it's not within uh, the university's uh, mandate, but uh, I think it's in our mandate uh, as the developers of the app to promote it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and also we welcome any other organizations to take it over and uh, promote it on their own. Okay. Because it's a free application and it's made for social good. Very good. So bring us up to date uh, to the port explosion and how did you get involved using remote sensing for the aftermath of the explosion? So I, um, I started looking at the available imagery. Satellite imagery comes usually at specified intervals. For example, you have the European Space Agency satellite, which is called Sentinel-2 it uh, passes over Lebanon every five days. It's very difficult to capture the explosion using publicly available satellite imagery. You have to have military uh, satellites that, you know, that are orbiting the Earth in, in real time to capture the time of the explosion. But what I did is I tried to look at the available imagery for, uh, for before that explosion and after that explosion. And I found one satellite image actually from Sentinel-1, which is a radar that penetrates the clouds, exactly around like 35 to 40 minutes after the explosion. So the explosion happened at 6.08 p.m., I think, and then the image was taken at uh, 6.40 or 6.42. Um, and you have to take an image before the explosion, very close to that date. And using some technology uh, that I'm not going to go into now, it takes looks at the coherence of the two images together and compares it to coherence of two similar pairs of images where nothing happened. I was really amazed to see the extent of the damage due to the explosion. And uh, to some extent, you can see the debris shattered on, on the ocean. 
from uh, from the difference between those two images because it was really like 30 minutes so you had some floating debris from the port uh, around like uh, 500 meters or even one kilometer away from from the site of the explosion which which also helps in a way if you have any casualties there uh, it defines the zone where uh, you know agencies have to look into for uh, for missing bodies or and and you can also tell the uh, the extent of the explosion inland uh, because uh, you cannot detect this using high resolution satellite in imagery but you can detect it using radar why because uh, you you cannot see from uh, from the high resolution imagery if the building has a uh, broken window unless the uh, the satellite is tilted at an angle and it's very, really very high resolution but then you don't see the other side of the building uh, with radar imagery you can you can see where debris has been scattered and where something has changed uh, in the roof of the building it could be like a satellite dish falling apart or um, some chattered glass on the roof and and you can detect this using this radar so you can identify the zones of damaged buildings even though they are not uh, they're still there something happened in those buildings that they were affected by the blast they were affected by the explosion so I I did this analysis and I posted the image on Twitter. Uh, NASA actually also did uh, the same analysis or very similar one, and they also posted the image like a day after. European Space Agency also did analysis on their Sentinel mission. Uh, they just posted it yesterday. Uh, so it, it really helps when, you know, especially like one day after the blast when nobody knows what's going on or uh, people are really uh, confused and... Uh, uh, the authorities are not sure where do they go, what do they tackle. It helps, at least gives an initial estimate of where they should look for damages, who is affected, how many people are affected, how many buildings, so on and so forth. And this kind of a process can happen within half an hour or an hour after the incident, whether it's a bomb or well, whatever it may be, or an explosion or a war or, or a natural catastrophe. Uh, because these satellites are going around the Earth all the time. So within an hour or two, you're going to get an image, right? Well, we were, we were lucky to get it within an hour or within half an hour, like I said. Had the explosion, for example, happened at, uh, at 7 p.m., you would have to wait until the next day to see the image for the radar. But luckily, it was like 40 minutes right after the ex or 30 minutes right after the explosion. Um, so, as I mentioned, those satellites, they come at uh, specific intervals. Mm -hmm. um, more often, they are more frequent than like five years or ten years back because more missions are being launched into space and the applications of, of this technology is really of high value to, uh, to many countries. Mm -hmm. And many countries are really investing in their own satellite missions um, because the paybacks, it, you know, it justifies the amount of investment they need to put. You know, it's, it's a very expensive technology. Mm -hmm. to run and to operate and to maintain. So what are the benefits of using this kind of satellite imagery and the analysis you do um, that are better than having people on the ground going around and inspecting things? Well, you have to have both. Um, the satellite imagery covers a large spatial scale in a very small amount of time. Ground truthing, it covers uh, small areas, but in more details. Mm -hmm. So uh, you have to have ground truthing to validate the satellite imagery. Mm -hmm. But uh, at, at an initial estimate, you still need the satellite imagery to know where to look and where to send your people. Mm -hmm. 
For example, um, we did some uh, also analysis on uh, on the refugees in Lebanon using uh, also satellite imagery estimating the water use and uh, looking at the impacts of uh, where, where the refugees are distributed and how do they affect uh, domestic water stress in the country. So there's a publication in Ambio about this, looking at uh, where are the hotspots so that humanitarian agencies can go and improve the water network system because there are more people there, they're stressing uh, the infrastructure. Uh, so this is also relying on, in, in some degree, on geographic information systems because you have to map the locations of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in terms of um, other people doing this, is the government doing this? Not to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, uh, not in this space, not at this extent. Are, are there people working, are UN agencies or private companies? Uh, private companies, they work on this if there's a uh, funded project. So they have to have a request for proposal and they have to apply for a bid and then they come in like some engineering companies in Lebanon did after the 2006 war. So they came and they took a satellite imagery for all Lebanon. They started the analysis. They sent people on the ground, but they were paid by the government. Yes. So private companies don't do it on their own unless somebody is paying for it or unless they are volunteering for it mm. uh, to attract more uh, more business. But for example, a one global uh, company, it's called uh, Maxar, it takes very high resolution imagery. And right after the Beirut explosion, they, uh, they flew their satellite in and they took a, a satellite image and they posted on their website for free using an open project kind of thing because this is a catastrophe and you know they, they get the humanitarian part of the organization working on, on these um, uh, tasks. Mm-hmm. So we're almost out of time. W- what are your next steps in terms of what you've learned from this application of using satellite image remote sensing? And what are you going to do next to follow up? Oh, we're continuing or moving into uh, something called the operational monitoring of agricultural lands. Uh, and in the previous years, remote sensing has been working on climate change or uh, change detection, detecting changes in, in land use and and other things, but now we're going into operational monitoring. So, uh, so right now we're developing uh, web apps uh, that can, you know, tell the authorities how much water is being used in any parcel in any country in the world. Well, presumably this has huge applications for just basic national water management, right? Exactly, national and also international interbasin water management between different countries. It has applications on food security and. Uh, also the global economy, because then you can detect, for example, the corn crop in this country this year is hit by a drought, corn price is gonna increase, and you can tell this uh, upfront, and which is really valuable for uh, making decisions. Wow, amazing. Professor Hadi Jafar, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, it's uh, been uh, uh, very educational, and uh, it's great to see uh, academic research being applied to real life situations and help helping cities, countries, people everywhere. Professor Hadi Jafar is Associate Professor of Irrigation, Engineering, and Water Management at the Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences at AUB. This has been Professors at Work, our weekly program where we look at what professors are doing in their research and how it makes our world a better place. I'm your host, Rami Khouri. Thank you for being with us and join us again next week. <laughs>